1: Miss the show, no worries on pointing on this podcast. We'll dive into the never-ending confusion about COVID travel rules. You know, the Trudeau government's warning the red lights are flashing on Omicron, and yet they refuse to clearly explain to Canadians the rules and risks of travel or whether, you know, we should be leaving the country. And we are heading into the busiest travel season of the year. I mean, how hard is it to say you travel at your own risk? A Canadian woman enjoying a dream trip to Mexico is knocked out and beaten by a Canadian boxing champ who was training in the country. Her face has literally been shattered, with Mexican doctors saying her eye will collapse in the next 24 hours if she doesn't get surgery. So we talked to this woman and her friend as they were boarding a flight to race home to Canada. How did this happen? And will this man face consequences? We'll tell you her story. And we'll talk about the passion of a Tiger Cat fan. This 82-year-old superfan will take in her 21st Grey Cup while celebrating her 50th anniversary of becoming a Canadian citizen. She arrived alone in Canada, and her immediate passion was for the black and gold. And Russia keeps ratcheting up its threats that it'll launch an attack on Ukraine. How much of this is rhetoric? Rhetoric. Or is this a real threat? Maybe we should be asking why Vladimir Putin would not attack. It's very obvious NATO has been asleep while Russian troops moved in. And now it seems like the most opportune time for Putin to attack is right now. Let's get talking. Where's my Oscar? There you go, Alex Pearson with you on this Friday, December 10th. Oh yes, indulge me please, as we head into the storm before the cup. Oh yes, buckets of rain arriving in a few hours. Very sloppy, windy Saturday ahead of the big Grey Cup game Sunday. The game will be nice, just getting to it will not be nice at all. I was actually reading Anthony Farnell's tweets and he said Lake Erie's going to get two meters. It's going to rise two meters, I mean that's nothing to laugh at. But those are the sounds of my childhood. Oh, yes. It's an exciting weekend if you're a Hamiltonian. And, of course, I was listening to my fellow Steeltown colleague, Arlene Bynett. And she is right. I mean, if you grew up in Hamilton, you are just an automatic Tie cat fan. Just, it is just a thing. Because we all went as kids. You'd go to, to Ivor Wynn. You'd get your soggy hot dog and the soggy fries. And you would hear, I the tiger. And, uh, and that's just kind of how the childhood worked. It was fun. And the last time the Grey Cup was played in Hamilton, I was, I mentioned this the other day, I was, I was in college, I was working for CHML, I had gotten this amazing part-time job as a cruiser, a cruiser kid, cruiser girl, me and Adam Oldfield, here on the stage, I mean, Adam and I went to school together, he worked the FM side, I worked the CHML side, and we drove around and gave stuff out, that was our, our first kind of jump into the business, it was a lot of fun, and uh, I got to cover the Grey Cup, it was like a big moment. In my young, burgeoning career, it was a really, really fun time because I got to go out and do hits and tell the story, went to all the parties, got to go to the game. And uh, it'll be a lot warmer this time around, 25 years ago, when the the Grey Cup literally just started and then a blizzard hit. I it, I just remember being so cold and so... Because the, the Ivor Wind boxes were not fancy. <laughs> like They were like cement blocks. It was like a square. It wasn't very big. And there was like no carpeting. There was no. It was very cold. I just remember thinking I was in a jail cell. But it was so snowy, and it was very, very cold. You couldn't even see the field. But nonetheless, it'll be great. Uh, nice new stadium this time, Tim Hortons Field. You will not feel like you're getting hemorrhoids if it's cold. Actually, it's gonna be warm, so you, you won't even have to worry about that either. But sadly, you know, at that time, there were massive parties that took over Hamilton because they shut down all the downtown big tents in the streets. Of course, you yeah, have the horses running into the hotel. It was great fun. Um, but COVID's the party pooper, so they won't have those big, 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 huge parties. There'll be some events, but just not as big as they would normally go, which I think is why they gave the games again in two years because like, it's so weird to me that there's been this drought of Grey Cup hosting for Hamilton and then all of a sudden, you know, 25 years later, you get the games and then you get it again in two years. So I think they just kind of handed it over to give a little bit of a, hey, redo, because COVID sucks and it's going to ruin the game. But it was fun. It is sold out. Uh, If you want a ticket, you can still go $22,000, $22,000 if you want a ticket to the Grey Cup. It It is a pretty penny. I was surprised to see that for a CFL ticket. But I guarantee you it will be a great time. I like the CFL. I don't care about the NFL. I like the good old game. I just like the Canadiana of this football league, so... Yes, I will be watching. We'll uh, dip into this a little bit tonight. It was one of those days, though. It was very busy today. It was not a busy news day in a good kind of way where, I, you know, you get these big blockbuster stories. It was kind of annoying because it was just like little bits and pieces coming out and COVID numbers are going up. And I don't care about COVID numbers. I don't care about case numbers because I'm so tired of the hysteria. You know, we know they're going up. We know this because we've been through this how many times? So I don't. We think we need to panic. We've got some data telling us, yes, if you're vaccinated, you should be okay. We know this thing spreads fast, but those getting it so far seem to have mild cases. So this hysteria calling for, like, events to be shut down and school closures, I I just think it's bizarre. I don't think we need to do that. I mean, if you want to lock down, you can. That's the beauty of this thing. You can lock yourself in your house all year long. If you want to pull your kid out of school, go for it. I don't think it's a smart idea, but go for it. But again, like, just can we breathe? Can we not report every little case? There's four cases of Omicron. Five. There's five. Okay, chill. Watch the ICU numbers, because that is what matters, right? That is what happens. That is what matters. We did get new modeling today, to, and it's, it looks scary. But I, you know, we should know by now. We have not yet reached the doomsday predictions, not once. And of course, the message is sky's falling. But you know, when you try to find clarity from those in charge, it's still riddled with confusion. So today, travel was the big theme, because we're we're fourteen days away from the busiest travel season of the year. I mean. In 14 days, trains and air, everything will be packed. And the Trudeau government is refusing to give a clear answer of what travelers should and shouldn't do. And you know the messaging still is, if you're vaccinated, you've got your app and your paperwork, then travel's fine. But clearly it's not. Because all you need to do is ask the hundreds of Canadians who are locked into these quarantine hotels who traveled with... No concern that a travel ban could happen. And then, of course, when they got to South Africa or wherever they were going, the Trudeau government all of a sudden slapped on a travel ban. So it can happen. And so when the health minister, Jean-Yves Duclos, came out today, he was asked over and over and over again, should Canadians travel during the holidays? And and this is the word salad we got.
2: If they think about traveling outside of Canada, Omicron should be a red, big red part of their radar screen. You know, it's, it should be flashing because things are happening very quickly outside of Canada. And so if they think of traveling, that should be a serious alarm bell, a, a serious concern for them.
1: What does that mean? What does it mean? Do we travel or not? I mean, we know that Omicron cases are going up. It's happening all over the world. And we also know Canadians are still planning to travel abroad because they want to see family, they want to go on a trip. They they've been told they can travel, and so if they're going to be blocked possibly from coming back into the country, and if there's no change to travel rules, why why is Mister Word Salad not giving any clarity?
2: What we can tell Canadians is something that they've known for since the beginning of COVID nineteen. COVID nineteen is is a is a virus and then a disease over which we have learned many things over the last uh, twenty months and that's going to be uh, the same with a new variant and the new variant tells us that we need to be even more vigilant uh, when in particular we think about traveling outside of Canada as we said earlier omicron is not yet uh, prevalent in Canada as has limited uh, community, t- community transmission, that is going to change.
1: Okay, what does this mean again? That is not an answer. That is just a lot of words stuck together. I mean, if Mr. Duclos and all these health experts are so worried about these flashing red lights, how hard is it for them to say the following? Canadians can still travel. You do it at your own risk because the border measures could change. If they said it clearly like that, I think people would have a clear picture of do we change plans or not? Because right now, all we're getting is, yeah, go travel, but your big red light should, uh, you know, watch for those big flashing red lights, right? I mean, I listened to the whole two-hour modeling health update. Yes, that's my day. And we just got this minister talking in circles and circles and circles and not giving a clear and, and you know, a clear-defined message of what is coming our way as far as travel restrictions. And and you'd think maybe two years into this thing, we would start seeing this, and it's just not. And it's one of the biggest failures of this pandemic. And there have been many. You know, one day we get one thing, and then it's flipped on its head. You know, you get masks are dangerous, and then we have to wear them. If you're going to tell people they're vaccinated, and if they have proper documents they can travel, they're going to. But if this minister or his government thinks there is any possibility that borders could shut or travel bans be brought in, then they got an obligation to clearly send a message. And then if people choose to travel, it's on them should things go wrong. But right now, that is not what they're saying. And I can just see it. I can just see it like Kreskin. It's just coming at us like a train down the tracks. So they're all of a sudden going to panic and to Oh my God, the cases went up. Oh, travel bans, travel bans. Like, it just rinse, recycle, repeat. It's the same approach where we're caught on our feet, reactionary, whereas they just said to, if they had just said today, if you are traveling, you do it at your own risk because border measures could change. That's a clear message. Omicron is a red light, but you got to look at the red lights and see the flashing. It's a risky time. It's not a message. just a lot of words out. All right, great to have you here on this Friday. I mean, imagine going on a dream vacation only to find yourself beaten so badly that you could lose your eyesight or, or worse. I mean, that is a nightmare facing a beautiful young woman from Vancouver who went out for a night of fun with her friends only to find herself severely beaten in a bar in Playa del Carmen. The woman's name is Jamie Coots. She's 27 years old. She was out with her friends when this man started harassing the group of women who told him, go away. And then he did the very opposite. The man, who is a professional boxer in Toronto and was training in Mexico to fight, actually charged at the women and attacked them repeatedly and essentially smashed Jamie in the face, knocking her out cold for five minutes and leaving her face severely mangled. She lost a tooth. Her nose has been left shattered. Her eye socket is so severely broken that Mexican doctors don't even want to touch her face. And earlier today, the doctors actually said the eye socket will collapse if her eye isn't fixed in the next 48 hours. But we're talking tens of thousands of dollars of surgeries. So we managed to catch up with Jamie and her friend Genevieve, who uh, was also caught up in the violence. And we spoke with them just as they were getting on board or boarding a flight home to Vancouver, where doctors can start the very long road of fixing these injuries, which are going to require a lot of surgeries. But certainly the emotional healing is going to take some time. Genevieve Thomas joining us now. And I keep calling Genevieve, but I think it's Genevieve Thomas. So thanks so much for joining us.
3: Yeah, thank you for having me on here.
1: You are right now, as we speak, because we take this a little bit earlier, um, you're at a Mexican airport with Jamie, who's resting beside you. But you managed to get a flight. You're to a flight of Mexico. Um, I mean, can, can you kind of characterize what this ordeal has been like for you and Jamie?
3: It's it almost doesn't feel real. It's just been so crazy and pretty where everywhere something could go wrong, it does. So yeah. it's just been a headache. Just kind of normally you'd want to stay in Mexico, um, but mm. we just
1: want to come home. <laughs> OK, so, you know, you really almost you have to see Jamie's injuries. And I want my listeners to understand. And like until you've seen the x-rays and the damage done to this young woman's face, it's really hard to comprehend, you know, what was done to her. But take us back, if you can, um, to that night of what happened.
3: Um, so we were out. We were having the funnest night of our trip, like just so mm. much fun. Um, we go out, we're with two other girls, we're at a club, everything's closing, so we leave. And this one guy, he will not leave one of our friends alone. He's just asking her to come home with her. She's saying she's not interested. She's saying she's coming home with us tonight. We will not leave her alone. He's not taking no for an answer. So Jamie and I step in. We say, Hey, dude, mm-hmm. she said no, just leave her alone. She's not interested. She's coming home with us. Just bug off, like leave her alone. She said countless times. This went on for like so long. We were probably we were nice at first, about five minutes saying just leave her alone, leave her alone. Then it turns into like F off, dude, get out of here, mm-hmm. like F you. Um mm-hmm. I think the absolute worst thing we said was just what you're doing is embarrassing, you're being pathetic. And he looks like he's gonna walk away. And then he turns around, one runs straight up. We're not so sure who he at first, but runs way right at one of us, punches me in the jaw, knocks me unconscious for about a minute, busts the back of my head Jeez. open. Um, and then runs straight at Jamie and punches her straight in the face, like a full running, running speed punch from a pro boxer. So he knew what he was doing, shatters her nose in three places, um, like shatters her eye socket, which we didn't even find out until yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. She's she's on the ground sitting there holding her eye. Um, I gruggly find her as she's calling out my name and she's just saying to me, Jenna, I don't want to lose my eye. I don't want to lose my eye I'm covered in her blood. Mm-hmm. Um, and three local Mexican girls, one of them comes over and just picks her up, puts her in a cab, um, and takes her to the hospital. And I stuck around with the other girls and they helped me find our purses. We can grab our IDs and credit cards, anything mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. we would need for the hospital. They put me in a cab and we get there she's been there for a while they won't let me in to see her because she's just so covered in blood they say she can't see you like this um so i had to wait out in the waiting room while they were cleaning up all the blood before they would let me just go in there to see her Jesus. Then i mean, go here in, you are in a put uh, stitches in my head but
1: yeah so you're in a foreign country you've been attacked unprovoked by a man did he even Genevieve did he even register what he was doing did he even did it even seem like he comprehended what he had done he was
3: calm the the scary thing is he was calm the entire time the entire time that we were yelling at him to go away he was dead calm like he didn't yell back he just so unbelievably calm where it seems like he was thinking rationally but I guess obviously not if you're gonna turn around and run up to two girls and hit them in the head as hard as you can.
1: How's Jamie doing? I mean, I know I know that you're on the mend. Your injuries weren't quite as serious, albeit still, you got knocked out. Um, she, yeah. she, her face, when you see those x-rays of, of her face, and when you get told by a doctor in another country, look, we don't really want to touch this, because it would literally, you're looking at tens of thousands in damage. H- How is she doing? I mean, does she truly comprehend what's happened to her yet? She's...
3: Like the main thing on her mind is just getting home so that she can go straight to the hospital and like, biggest worry is if they don't take it seriously when we get back into canada because the doctors here were so adamant about that like she needs to go into surgery immediately Uh, Mm -hmm. because the longer that like her eye socket isn't fixed every single movement of her eye the doctor explained it that every movement her tendons are getting pulled into the break into Mm -hmm. the crevice and tearing. Mm -hmm. So it can cause permanent damage as it pulls her eye Mm -hmm. down into that, uh, break. So,
1: (sighs) so we're not talking one or two surgeries. I mean, let's put the emotional trauma aside for a second. I mean, this woman is facing a, a very long journey of recovery. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, because the doctor wasn't able to re-break her nose into place, it's still kind of yeah. loose. The bones are all still loose in her nose because he didn't want to touch it oh after God. seeing the CT scan of her eye socket. Um, so that's the only lucky part because then they can set that at the same time. So it's not, uh, but we're looking at like fixing it just like mm-hmm. right now, fixing it so that it's not causing more damage to her eye, um, setting her nose um, and then. Of course, they're going to have to go back and actually make it look good because right now it'll we'll just be yeah. like a functional surgery. Yeah, um, her tooth is chipped, so she'll need to get that fixed. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of healing,
0: mm-hmm.
3: and yeah, this whole time, the thing that she before we even got the CT scan, like she kept saying, like, my nose doesn't hurt that bad, but my eye, my eye hurts so much, and none of the doctors, until the third doctor we saw. Thought to do a CT scan, and thank God he did; otherwise, we never would have known.
1: Jeez, this guy—you um you know—he's he's a trained boxer, lives in Toronto. He was there training for a fight. Did the Mexican authorities? Was he taken in? Is he charged? Like he was what? taken What's... in. What's and is he, he still incarcerated? I mean, right. yes. Yes. And so um, what happens now? Have you been told uh, Genevieve, like, will, will Jamie and you, will you have to go back to Mexico? What's going to be going on as far as like justice in this issue?
3: We're sort of waiting to hear that. Um, the whole time we were at the police station, there was definitely a bit of language barrier. We were lucky yeah. to have, um, one local Mexican man that we had met there. He sort of acted as our translator.
0: Um, mm-hmm.
3: Over two days, we spent almost, I think, 10 hours at the police station, just giving statements and waiting and giving statements again and waiting. Um, but they they were very adamant that they wanted to charge him. So they wanted us there. They wanted us giving our statements because they really wanted to charge him. So they saw the damage that he had done. Yeah. So,
1: well, I mean, it's enough not, that it's, you were attacked. In a foreign country, but that you're attacked by a Canadian in a foreign country is just, uh, it's almost unthinkable.
3: Yeah, as crazy. It still kind of blows our mind. It's boy, oh
1: boy. Absolutely I mean, insane. I. Mean, Jamie's very lucky, um, you know, to have friends like you, and, and thankfully the the local Mexicans, uh, you know, were able to help you guys. But certainly, she's got a big journey ahead of her, um, uh, and and certainly there's yeah. been an outpouring of support for her. But uh, boy, I mean, I don't think you factored this in when you went away, did you? I mean, who thinks about this kind of stuff? No,
3: no. It was a very last minute trip, too. We weren't even going to go on it. Our friends were begging us, essentially, and they changed our minds. So it was super, super last minute. Fun up until that point.
1: Yeah. I mean, do you believe that you'll get justice in this? I mean, I I don't think anything can ever really erase that. And I don't think the the trauma that certainly the physical trauma that Jamie has been through will ever disappear. But, uh, you know, um, can you guys get over this?
3: I hope so. It's yeah. it's definitely going to take some time and a lot of healing and I think it will be a lot more comforting once we know that he's fully charged and actually faces the consequences of his actions. But and up right now it's you... kind of a waiting game so we're still wondering like oh what if he can buy his way out of Mexican prison or something and
1: well I got to be honest you'll just go in back Mexican to Mexican j- jails so yeah, we'll wait and see on that. And for now, I mean, let's just get back and get you guys back into Canadian soil. And certainly, I think Jamie, once she's got her family um, and doctors in this country uh, looking after her, it'll it'll improve. I know that there's a GoFundMe um, emergency surgery after assault in Mexico set up uh, for her. Uh, so folks want to kind of pitch in because, um, you know, look, people will say get flight insurance or get trip insurance, but a lot of people just don't. And that's just a reality for most of us. Um and, and certainly this is not a cost you guys expected, but we'll certainly follow the journey and uh wish you a safe flight home and, and give Jamie our best.
3: We'll do. Thank you very much.
1: Safe flight. Genevieve, thank you very much for talking to us.
3: Yeah, thank you guys.
1: That's Genevieve Thomas, who is friends with uh, Jamie, who is uh, about to board a flight, or by the time you hear this interview, certainly will have gotten on that flight and be flying back to Canada. But again, the GoFundMe is called emergency surgery after assault in Mexico. I'm not even kidding. You've got to see the pictures of this young woman to truly understand what this man did to her face. As far as I'm concerned... The guy can sit in a Mexican jail and uh, think long and hard about what he did because I don't care what his reasoning is that you as a boxer, a trained boxer, where your hands are weapons. Really?
0: I mean, it's just flabbergasting to see the injuries left behind. So we'll follow that story. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail.
1: Oh, yes, I do hope that the Tigers will eat Winnipeg raw this weekend. They are the underdog. But, you know, it's been 21 years since the Tiger Cats won a championship game. It was 1999 the last time we got to celebrate. So they've got a chance to win against Winnipeg. Uh, Of course, they spoiled our fun back in 2019 when they crushed us 13-12. to But now we're on home turf. turf. And while the Bombers had a better season, I think we have more heart. And this is a sold-out game. 25,000 people will be in the stands cheering on the Tiger Cats including a super fan who has now taken in 21 Grey Cup games and this 82-year-old will celebrate the gig- big game at Tim Hortons Field which will also mark the 50th anniversary of when her kids finally landed in Canada from Trinidad. Eva Quilden joins us now. Good to have you. Thank
4: you very much.
1: You you came to this country alone? And then you waited three years for your kids to arrive. How did you, how did you fall in love with it? What was it about the Tiger Cats that became kind of your 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 love?
4: Well, the, the thing about as, as I tell everybody, it's seventy two when I saw the, um, the the parade, and the um, the marshal was um, Lawn Green, and um, I was just we were just having in the island bonanza. London mm-hmm. horse and Joe and all this sort of thing and a country and western sort of a idea. And then I come and, and so looking out on the street and there he is going down on the on a car and waving to me. Well, waving to us, but I thought this was me, he was waving <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that you know that give you, you, know, you, you such a thrill that it, you've seen the person in real because you always seen on a screen and seen in real was quite quite you know <laughs> an interesting idea for, for for me and I said to myself to my children that was that start me off but I never really was going to the games or anything because I did go to a game before that because a friend had um, given us tickets to go to this game in, in the middle of a winter, which was really uncomfortable. And I thought,
1: <laughs> well, oh, what are you talking it. about? You didn't like those freezing cold steel benches? I mean, come on. That was Wasn't that part fun. of the fun? <laughs>
4: yeah, it was. So it was uncomfortable. I wish I was somewhere warm. But that mm-hmm. passed, and I, you you know, and then the, the parade, I, I, so the children came in 71, so I thought I better show them the parading that they have here. So they enjoyed it. We enjoyed it. And as I told you before, what happened. And then after that, uh, my friend and a worker, he gave me a ticket in the middle of uh, uh, the summer. Mm-hmm. And I went and and, and looked at the game and I said, but this is, this is very interesting. Because from <laughs> one winter to the next summer, it was like, you know. Vast difference because that's how we look, watch game back in our country in the summer. Mm-hmm. All yeah. summer, maybe a bit rain, but it's always hot. So that, um, and then looking at the people that was on the stand and seeing the enthusiasm, the, the 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 costume, the face painting, the the numbers, the, the, and the chain on with the Oskuwee, and I thought to myself, boy, this is interesting. I better get involved yeah. in this <laughs> being the type of person I am because I'm always involved in things and there's something that is different, so the people were very they, they were very 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 genuine very friendly and then they uh, they asked me to join them, which is the cat clothes yeah uh, yeah mm. they were a fan club, you see. So they, yeah well you
1: are you are a true I mean, I was born and raised in Hamilton. you kind of like people don't understand if you're from Hamilton, you just automatically support the tiger cats. it's just what we do, yeah. but here you come into this country and you've adopted the team as your own, but you're much much more loyal than even me oh. um and so i love I love that like you must be so excited
4: well, it was a lot of excitement you know when you get a you know something like that and people, people together. And it doesn't matter who you are. You just you get into that crowd. You, you the enthusiasm got off or got, you know. So I joined, and I, they taught me how to face paint. Um, I used to call. Um, they tell me to call for bus. To, the fans to go on the bus because we used to do the on um, the buses to Toronto, Ottawa, and um, Montreal. And um, when when they didn't have any, well, they still don't have any fans, so we used to go down there. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so it was something that we, we, at least we had about almost 10, 15 buses when we go into Toronto, because we used to call and get everybody to, mm.
2: you know.
4: So it was something that was really interesting. Then we had the, the, um, the Walk of Fame dinner for the alumni. To, we give them awards and things. That always come like a, a little two weeks before practice. So it was something that we, you know, we started off, and you give them, and everybody started getting excited.
1: Well, you know, it's funny because it's been hard to love the Tired Cats. They're a very frustrating team. When they're great, they're fantastic, but they have been robbed of the Grey Cup a, a couple yeah. of times. I won't talk about that 1989 Saskatchewan game. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, it's tough. They have been, they've gotten there, and they've had great seasons, and then they lose. And so do you think this time they've actually got it, even though they're the underdog?
4: It, do I think what they're to?
1: Do you think they're going to win this game? Do you think they've got what it I'm takes?
4: my fingers crossed because last the last interview I had for the last year, not the nineteen, and they say um, we were all gung ho because they mm-hmm. won all the different you know accolades, they win awards and everything, and we say, oh, this is it, and then went downhill. So I'm just <laughs> keeping a low profile and just, you know, just talking to you all and and saying to myself under my breath, I hope we win.
1: <laughs> I hope we win. And of course, when your kids joined you uh, three years after you arrived in Canadian soil, I think you kind of made them. They became um, forced Tiger Cat fans. So you're gonna are you gonna drag them along to the to the Grey Cup? Do they have a choice?
4: We well, they're all going to the Grey Cup. <laughs> it's it's all a fa- good for you, a family affair. Yeah, we're all going. That's where they're celebrating because that's they came here on the, the, the December the twelfth, and the game is on the twelfth December. The mm. time, which, as I said before, that we never really had games in in December. We always had it in November. So that kind yes, of yes, yes, Yeah, that's kind of you know it. So they, they they all go in. Yeah. yeah. Well, I,
1: the last Grey Cup I attended was at Ivor Wynn. It was snowing like at the Dickens, which you probably remember because you were probably there too, getting all it, covered in snow. I know.
4: Um,
1: but you know, it's it's been a long, long time. It's long overdue. Yeah. And And uh, and and any kind of you know any concerns about going to the big game?
4: Uh, well, not really, because as as all these games I went to, I I I know the protocol. I know how to dress. I know, you know. So all my stuff is already there, waiting for me just to put on. So everything is already set up. I got doubles F everything, <laughs> and so I mean to so say, I'm going to so many great cup. I had, I I got to know the, the you know, how, yeah. to, how to to treat the weather.
1: All right. Well, well are we gonna see you in the stands? Or are you gonna have your chair? Are you ready to go? Give him a little Oski wee wee.
4: Oh yes, <laughs> I'll be there. <laughs> Because yeah. usually you, you my seat is on the first uh, 101 and uh, seat, 101, section 101, 101, 102. So that's where yeah, um, yeah. my daughter and my son will be sitting, but I'm sitting upstairs with a, a friend of mine. So this oh, oh. all the together, but I'll be, you know, on a different... Yeah, seat.
1: yeah, you you got the VIP tickets. All right, well, look, you've earned them, Eva. No, 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 um, yeah,
4: VIP tickets. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm just... I just sit in a different I, section. <laughs>
1: There you go. Have a terrific time at the game, Eva. Uh, we'll all be crossing our fingers for a win, but you have certainly earned this. And um, happy anniversary.
4: Thank you very much. Yeah, I'll let them know. <laughs> Bye. All
1: right. That is Eva Quilden, who is a bona fide Tiger Cat super fan. So she will be in the stands. And let's give her a win, shall we? All right. Great to have you here on this Friday. So, Russia. Yes, we should be watching this. This is something that is not getting nearly enough attention. But Russia is now using the rhetoric that a genocide is underway in eastern Ukraine. I guess they're using that as justification to invade the country. They've amassed um, almost 100,000 troops on the eastern border. There's 75,000 more on their way. And his original justification for an attack was that NATO's presence in Ukraine is a threat to Russia. And earlier this week, President Biden met with Vladimir Putin via video link, and the intention was to cool tensions. But uh, our NATO allies are now panicking in the region because during that meeting, Biden announced that a Russian attack, um, you know, they would launch tough economic sanctions against Russia's economy. Right. Right. OK, it didn't stop it because today Putin made more demands, and that is a guarantee from NATO that it will cancel its 2008 commitment to Ukraine and Georgia that it can become a NATO member. And the U.S. has said, no, no, that's not up for negotiation. But Biden's already handed Putin a number of wins that seem to put Vladimir Putin in the driver's seat. And where is Canada in all of this? Nowhere. Zero. Not even paying attention. Marcus Kolga, senior fellow at McDonald laurier Institute, founder of DisinfoWatch, and, of course, an expert on all things Russia. Good to have you.
5: Always a joy to be on with you, Alex.
1: So you, you have been watching this for a while, but we seem to be kind of at this point where we could be uh, seeing uh, Russia launch this attack within the next couple of weeks. I think a lot of people are just shrugging their shoulders here, and they look at this as just Russia spouting off rhetoric. And you say what?
5: Uh, well, you know, I I may have thought that as well a few weeks ago, but, you know, as you mentioned, uh, you know, there's, you know, every time we give this guy an inch, he takes a mile and he just keeps on going. He keeps on pushing. Um, the fact that he seems to be desperately seeking some justification to go to war, you know, now he's um, you know, before it was this that, that Russia was a victim of NATO imperialism, that NATO was surrounding Russia, which is complete and utter nonsense. Um the fact that he's now claiming that there's some sort of a, a genocide going on in parts of the of the Ukraine that his own separatist, uh, Russian-backed terrorists uh, control, um, you know, it it smells like he's itching for for a fight. Um and it wouldn't surprise me um if he uh, did actually attack uh, eastern Ukraine. Um, this is the the part of the country that's been pretty much under the control of these same Russian terrorists uh, since around 2014. And there's been a low sort of simmering conflict that's been going on there. Um, the Russian government keeps on supplying troops to these people, um, you know, surface-to-air missiles, artillery, um, small arms, and they've, they've, there's been shelling that's pretty much been going on every single day from the Russian side on to the Ukrainian side. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, Joe Biden as well. I mean, there's there's some reports um They're, they're a little bit unverified, but there was some reports yesterday that uh, he would be when he talked to uh, Ukrainian President Zelensky, that he would suggested to Zelensky that um, they might Ukraine may have to accept ceding territory in eastern Ukraine, giving it autonomy, which is a clear signal that. You know, once it becomes autonomous, you know that Putin's going to move in. So it looks like, you know, Biden's positioning himself to basically give away that chunk of eastern Ukraine at this point. And, and Russia may use this opportunity in the coming weeks to, in fact, move troops in there, move, move their artillery, move their tanks in there, and, and annex that portion of eastern Ukraine.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, why wouldn't Putin uh, make his move now? You know, it it seems that the West is, um, it seems like it's tripping over itself to figure things out. It doesn't want to take action. It's been distracted uh, with a lot of domestic issues. So, you know, if China and Russia want to make their moves, it is now. And clearly Russia has been amassing these troops over months and NATO hasn't really budged on it or even, you know, um, you know, noticed. So why why wouldn't he? This is his opportune time to to take military action.
5: Look, Putin's a brilliant guy. You and I have talked about this time and time again over the years. That one of his primary objectives is to uh, break apart NATO to um, to erode the cohesion that holds that transatlantic alliance together. And this is something that Canada really relies on as a, as a cornerstone mm. of our defense policy. Um, the mm. fact that you have Putin, who's dangling this uh, gas pipeline with the Germans, uh, the Germans are are more interested in cheap energy from Russia than defending democracy. Um, Canada, as you mentioned, is nowhere to be found on the scene. I, I have no idea what's going on. Um, yet we have a you know fairly significant stake in the region. We've we're leading the the NATO enhanced for, forward presence in Latvia, which is a at risk nation now. Um, you know I wouldn't have said that a week ago, but um, after what you know. We've seen uh, Biden's performance this week. I would say they're at risk. Mm. We have 200 trainers in Ukraine right now. We've invested a lot of money into Ukraine, into uh, reforming its economy and its government. The fact that we are absolutely nowhere. Um, you know, Joe, Joe Biden had said that he was consulting uh, with a, a number of, of partners. That means, you know, it's come out that it was the, the United Kingdom, Germany, France, and for some reason, Italy. I, I can't figure out the mm-hmm. life of me why Italy is in that group. So it's basically the G7 minus Japan, which makes sense, but minus Canada, which doesn't make sense. And Canada, of course, is a NATO member. Um, you know, what's even, you know, quite as, a, as, a, as an expert and an analyst, what's really shocking is that Joe Biden has told those same nations that they will be invited into a consultation about the future of NATO with Russia. Um, there isn't a single... NATO member who's bordering Russia that's invited, Poland's not invited, and Canada's not invited. So, you know, if we go back to uh, Vladimir Putin's objective of of tearing apart NATO, essentially, you know, it seems like NATO and Joe Biden are doing a pretty good job of that and uh, helping Putin uh, fulfill that objective. Uh, so, yeah, you know, with the world divided like this, um, with our attention scattered, uh, mm. I, I I feel terrible for the for the Ukrainians, for the Ukrainian president, because right now, at this moment, they are very much alone.
1: Yeah, they are very much alone. And, and, and I think Russia knows, certainly in Canada, that um, we have a, a government in place that has no interest in foreign policy, zero interest in foreign policy, and you need only look to the new foreign affairs minister, who is so out of her depth. And that's not me being cruel. She is out of her depth on this. Um, but the fact that NATO... Um, you know, excluded the fact that Biden didn't even place a phone call to Canada should be a much bigger story, and it hasn't as much as been a headline. I mean, it's staggering to me. I've spoken about it a couple of times on this show during the week, but it really isn't getting much attention. And when Canada is being cut out of things like NATO decisions or Five i decisions, that tells you a lot.
5: Well, you're you're absolutely right, Alex. I mean, we're a, 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 a one of the founding members of NATO, um, and, and we take you know. A, Certain pride in uh, in uh, Prime Minister Pearson's role in in creating yeah. NATO. Um, yep. We've been part of it for a long time, and and you're absolutely right. When 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 Joe Biden decides to have a a conference on the future of NATO, including Russia but omitting Canada, you know we have to we have to you know ask ourselves what's going on, what's going on in Ottawa. Why are mm-hmm. we being omitted from these sorts of discussions? Because these. What happens in the coming days and weeks and say the next month or so with regards to Ukraine is going to set the geopolitical tone for the next decade, possibly more. This is one of those geopolitical watershed moments like we saw at the end of Cold War um, that we saw at the start of the Second World War. It's one of those moments that we're in right now. That's how important this is. And for Canada to be absent from the stage is not good
1: well, we we essentially have someone in charge who is even weaker than than Chamberlain was. that That's a scary thought.
5: Well, um you know I've heard a lot of comparisons like that from very senior officials in Central and Eastern Europe. These people are worried. Um you know, if you go from uh, even Finland in the north, who there's been signals that they're concerned, even though they're not in NATO, they're concerned about the lack of U.S. leadership right now and the, and the wavering yeah. that's going on from Finland all the way south through central and eastern Europe. All of those governments, all of those people are right now really concerned. They're extremely worried. We need global leadership. We thought that we would mm-hmm. get it with Joe Biden. It's not happening. Uh, you know, I would, I, I'm not a big, never have been a big Trump fan. But, um, you know, I don't think anyone was expecting this sort of weakness from the United States um, right now. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully, I, what I will say is that, you know, maybe there's there's a strategy in place that we're not. seeing, <laughs> and Maybe it's brilliant. And let's, maybe. let's hope that that's the case and that we're all wrong. And what we're seeing today is is just a part of some other larger process.
1: Yeah, it it's not in our interest um you know for this to go wrong and so this is not even like a partisan thing. This is a uh, no. you know the future of our of our sovereignty and our democracies and uh, so we'll keep watching that. All right, Marcus, well we will keep talking about it and keeping an eye on it, but I appreciate the latest on it. Anytime, Alex. Marcus Kolga joining us, founder of Disinfo Watch and, of course, uh, an expert on all things Russia. He has been waving the flags on this for months. Thank you for listening. Of course, you can join us live Monday through Friday starting 6.30 sharp. I'm Alex Pearson on Point. This is Global News Radio.